1: Welcome to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH. Your Partner in Law is brought to you in part by the law firm Gregorick & Associates PLLC. Charting your course to a secure future. Your Partner in Law starts now. Here's your host, Rick Gregorick.
2: Hey, good morning, and welcome to Your Partner in Law. I'm attorney Rick Gregoric at the law firm of Gregoric & Associates. Hey, we're really glad to be uh, chatting with you this Sunday morning, uh, day before Memorial Day, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we'll chat a little bit about that. And I've got uh, Ted Hansen with me today, and um, we are, of course, recording this. Uh, it's Friday, so if uh, there's news between now and Sunday morning, I apologize. But... Um, with all the COVID and the restrictions, we we're still not able to go into the radio station. So um, here we are, sitting in a non-studio, uh, bringing you the show. So I've got
3: uh, Ted with me this morning. Ted Hansen. good morning. Good morning, and happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. It's a great day. I came a little early this year, didn't it, Rick? I Yeah, you know, it seems like almost a week early,
2: but used it's always to having the this last deep.
3: Monday. Yeah, I guess know? so, but it doesn't seem like it's uh it's that time yet, but it is. And before you know it, July 4th will be here, right? So. Um, yeah, lots um, going on and uh, lots of uh, anxieties and yeah. things like that. And, you know, it'll be interesting this year to try to carry on like we have for the last you know, bit of our lives with these holidays and how that's going to shape up is really going to be interesting. I know that for the 4th of July, a lot of these cities have already begun canceling. You know, firework uh, celebrations and that sort of thing, and and um, you know, <laughs> I'll just say this: It's some some a big part of me just wants to be American again, okay? And I I feel like I've been really kind of isolated, and, frank, and quite frankly, very very, you know, good with what what I have to do for the common good, but it's kind of getting old to me. Let's just put it that way.
2: Yeah, I think you know, Ted, we're everyone's getting. Anxious, I guess we might call it cabin fever for lack of a better term, but uh, it is definitely taking its toll. We're certainly seeing on the news, and I mean, you know, it depends on which news station you're listening to, but I think one common thread that we do see is that certainly with the extended shutdowns um, as they continue, um, many of the social issues that are exacerbated as far as uh, drug and alcohol addiction, domestic violence, depression, suicide, just about every other psychological you know, malady that one could attach. All these things are far greater and of course we've heard of people you know, uh, not getting medical attention they need and they're having heart attacks and strokes. So, uh, folks, uh, if you need medical care, 911, it is available and you need to
3: make sure that you're availing that. Yeah, a lot of people have refrained from, you know, what I would consider to be a critical medical procedure in many cases, you know, heart stints and things of that nature. That, to me, should not take a back door to the hysteria <laughs> surrounding this virus, you know. I mean, it, it just shouldn't, but that's just, you know, the way people have approached it, and I, I disagree with that approach, but nevertheless, uh, we should be back in that arena now, it's at least here in the state of Washington we are. Well, Ted, you know, the fear
2: is something that is, you know, quite a quite a challenging thing, and when, you know, this thing got started back uh, beginning of the year, um, the invisible enemy, and, you know, I, it really is an invisible enemy, so to speak, and it is something that's devastating to all of us. Um, overall I mean if I look across you know our our state our city our county and then really across the country overwhelmingly overwhelmingly people have been pretty darn compliant for quite some time now as this goes on the longer it goes on we will begin you know more likely than not to see more social unrest uh, civil disobedience um, I think we're seeing that starting in churches and some of the other um, business arenas. I found it interesting, Ted, The uh, one of the industries that, uh, you know, fragmented small business market, but uh, the health clubs and the gyms have really kind of gone out in front and say, you know, we've got to open up. And yeah. so it's interesting, folks, and everybody's got an opinion just like everybody's got a nose. So um, I think what we need to do is all of us be smart and keep our emotions in check when we're discussing this. There are more than one points of view on virtually every issue out there, whether it's the efficacy of a drug or it's the interpretation of a law or the impact of a tax program. There's always going to be those proponents of and those against. So absolutely, um, that's and, and just the
3: way it is. And the idea of, of just drinking the Kool Aid, Rick, has always been abhorrent to me, frankly. You know, I mean, I, I and, and I'm a lawyer, right? So we we, we come from a different place. Uh, we come from a place of skepticism, we come from a place of challenging facts, we come from a place of uh challenging non fact based opinions and that's just that's we come what we from do. Point right? of so.
2: Protecting citizens and you know, making sure that our rights are protected. That's our right. constitutional rights yeah, absolutely and you know during this COVID pandemic our constitutional rights unequivocally without discussion have been greatly compromised. And and I'll argue in the beginning, rightly so. And but all of these extreme measures, you know, really need to be tailored as to the length of time and and that. And I think that's where the questions are starting to arise now that you know the infamous flattening of the curve, you know, is pretty much behind us in most areas of the country. There's always going to be a little flare-up here and there it appears. But you know, this is what's leading to the frustration is the restriction of our First Amendment, our Second Amendment, our Fourth, Fifth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth. I mean, they're getting a lot of them in here, but anything to do with our ability to travel, speak, free speech, uh, ability to gather and organize, um, these are all just fundamental constitutional rights, the rights to protest, uh, the rights to civil disobedience, peaceful To civil disobedience Um, I'm a product of the uh, late 60s so I certainly uh, as many of you certainly remember the Vietnam era civil disobedience and we all know that when it got out of hand that that wasn't usually getting the best outcomes so I think more you know Speaking, But I mean, the, the challenge that, you know, Tim, what's frustrated me so much is some of the social media networks now wanting to be um, censors and deciding what they want to put up. And they're wanting to, you know, basically block anything that isn't going along with their ideological um, beliefs. And that they don't want to hear second opinions and third opinions or fifth opinions or they don't want to hear wacky opinions or, or they don't want to hear about the Constitution right? or
3: they don't want to hear about. Yeah. the Yeah. And never in my lifetime, Rick, can I recall a time where there's been so many constitutional issues at play at one time and you mentioned earlier civil disobedience that perhaps is the closest that I've ever been to anything similar to what we're going through now and that certainly was was just a small small challenge to a constitutional issue of assembly and free speech and it blew up and in you know in the in the general public's uh, opinion that was radically different and radically unpopular for the most part except for those of us that are you know willing to stand up and say look there's another point of view here and Regardless of your point of view, I also have my rights and I intend to exercise those rights. You know, there's, you know, in in most
2: situations, there's more than one way to accomplish a goal. So, you know, what, what does this all have to do with your estate planning and your elder law or your business planning or, you know, starting your business or running your business? Well, quite frankly. Everything it has everything to do with it because your businesses and your personal lives can only be successful when you're in an environment when you're in an environment that allows that and when you're in a stay home shutdown
3: mode um, that impedes that okay? it does and and you know we're, we're we, we have been prior to the covid uh, you know planning for the unknown and planning for this topic that we're talking about here, the fear of the unknown and what's going to happen to me in the future and you know what's going to happen to me today and what's going to happen to me to you know an hour from now and And all of these things uh, come back to planning of some sort, and estate planning in particular to plan for these unforeseen health consequences that arise as a result of things like this have really opened people's eyes. And we've actually had quite a lot of folks uh, coming through that ordinarily probably wouldn't that are concerned about their health care documents and making sure they have something in place in the event they get, you know, afflicted by this COVID virus. Well, well,
2: Ted, it is so important for people to have proper planning documents, estate planning or elder law. That's all depending on your age and health and finances. And that's up to the attorney to kind of decide which area you um, fit in. But planning is so Critical. And one of the things I want to talk about as the show goes on is the government, the United States government, has given each of us a tremendous number of options and opportunities when it comes to our estate planning, when it comes to paying taxes, when it comes to forming our businesses. They give us a lot of choice to tailor that. And it's just up to you to take advantage of those choices. If you don't take advantage of the choices, then, of course, the government's going to have some sort of default plan, and that default plan is never going to be in your best interest like your own plan would be something that you've chosen, established, and set up for yourself. That's really a unique thing in the United States. Few, if any other countries around the entire globe offer so many different options and opportunities. We're going to discuss those in the... Next uh, segments of the show, and we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, uh, more of Your Partner in Law. You can always find us on the web, yourpartnerinlaw.com. We'll be right back.
0: When we talk about estate planning and elder law, there are two triggers that cause you to review your plan. John Curley here with my attorney, Rick Redrick, And, Rick, what are those two triggers? Thanks, John. There are two key triggers for when you
2: should review your estate plan. Changes in health or wealth. COVID-19 is a significant impact to both, so everyone should review and update their estate plan. Ask yourself, are you and your family prepared? Do you have the right executors, agents, and trustees? Have you provided for your family? We're here to help. This pandemic has disrupted all of our lives, so each of us needs to be proactive during these difficult
0: times. Be prepared. Have a plan. Talk to Rick, Gregorick, and Associates. They're open. They're essential business, and they want to help give you peace of mind. You can call them or meet virtually to discuss your estate and elder law plan. Call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. Or book your free consultation online at yourpartnerinlaw.com.
4: Having a law- Long term care plan, it brings certainty to a very uncertain situation. It also allows us to stay in control of our care options. And maybe most importantly, it brings peace of mind to your family during an extremely stressful situation. And Story Monson, I highly recommend doing what my wife and I did learn about all the new long term care plans offered by Brian Ott and 525 Advisors. Brian has two live webinars coming up in June. The first one is June 13th at 3 p.m., I'll be joining that one right after my show and then a second on june 20th all of brian's live webinars are free to attend he'll teach you everything you need to know about long-term care including all the new plans that are available they protect your savings they protect your family and they plan my wife and I got pays us back if we never use it. I can't recommend him highly enough. He's the best in the country and he's right here in Bellevue. Sign up for one of his free live webinars coming up June 10th or June 20th. Go to 525longtermcare.com That's 525longtermcare.com It's
0: times like these that remind us how crucial it is to make sure your family's health care documents and money management is in order. It's John Curley. Be proactive, have a plan, and do what's best for your family so everyone can have peace of mind. I can't Recommended enough. Talk to Rick Gregorick. He helped me in my estate plan and Rick is open and ready to help make sure your plan is properly updated. And if you don't have an estate plan, Rick is absolutely the best in the area to create the proper plan to custom fit for your needs. Rick wants to encourage everyone to follow the guidelines being provided by local and state and federal governments to slow the growth of this deadly virus. It's vitally important to invest in yourself and your family. In a proper estate, an elder law plan has never been more important Rick Gregorick and Associates are open now and ready to help you. You can schedule your complimentary consultation by calling 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. Or go to yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's yourpartnerinlaw.com. Now back to Your Partner in Law
1: with Rick Gregorick on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH.
2: And welcome back to Your Partner in Law. I'm attorney Rick Gregorick at the law firm of Gregorick & Associates. We are indeed open for business. Um, mostly virtual, mostly remote, staffs working predominantly from home. We do have uh, some opportunities for clients to have in-person consultations in the office or possibly in your home, but uh, those are all on a case-by-case basis, uh, practicing all of the social distancing, mask and glove parameters, and uh, basically just being smart. And so that's what we want to um, take care of here and um do that, so before the break, we were talking about options and opportunities that the government gives us at the federal level and some degree at the state level, but an off you know estate planning is kind of one of those interesting things that it 's kind of a blend. You do it at the state level. All of your estate plans are done according to your state's laws. But within all of your estate plans is a tremendous amount of federal overlay. And um, cooperation and even partnership, a good example would be Medicaid, you know, is a state and federal um, program um, funded by both state and federal, administered by the state. But um, it is a federal program. So options and opportunities. So, you know, first thing we want to kind of look at when we look at your estate plan. Planning is first off, which category are you? Are you traditional or elder law? Ted, walk us through some of the 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 challenges or the differences in elder law. What you know, what is
3: what specifically we talk about? Well, when we talk about elder law, and we've spent a good deal of time this month because it is National Elder Law Month, uh, talking about some of the concerns of, of elders and what makes elder law practice different from traditional estate planning and. What it boils down to essentially is a heightened focus on disability and other things like housing and you know, planning for your future retirement and do I have enough money and those kind of issues all play into elder law, estate planning. And they do play into traditional estate planning as well. So the things that are in common are the tools we use. However, it's what those tools are used for and what those tools say, that is what those documents say, that's different in elder law planning versus traditional estate planning. Now, your core documents typically will be the same with the possible exception of some uh, tweaks to you know, protect assets in the event of Medicaid or something like that. that. That definitely is part of the practice. But by and large, the difference is a heightened focus on disability and how are we going to deal with those issues. So a lot of my clients beyond a traditional estate plan, I get into conversations with them about the possibility of having to go on Medicaid. Do they have enough money to self-insure? Are they a a good candidate to be on Medicaid at some point in the future? And then we talk through some of those issues. And then, of course, we have to craft the estate plan accordingly to kind of line up with those possibilities. Now, not everybody's going to end up where they think they might, but in a good majority of the cases... uh, the, the outcome is kind of on the wall, if you will, that they will run out of money at some point. I mean, and, a, a really
2: key component of elder law really is the financial component. It's exacerbated by the medical conditions generally, but it's really the finances to pay for the cost of care. It is. And and the big issue that we're talking about in cost of care is our housing costs. That is an enormous cost because it's out of pocket and absent long-term care insurance. There's no other payment source for it. It's not something the government's going to pay for
3: um, unless and until you go on Medicaid. That's right. And generally speaking, the, you know, a health issue is the precipitating factor for having to leave your primary residence. I mean, that that typically is the discussion. And so in the next segment, we'll probably take a little bit deeper dive into some of these options that people have uh, when they can't live safely in their own home and and or retrofit their home. But that's a real big issue. And again, these are things that I talk to people about, and most people just don't want to face the possibility that they may have to leave their home at some point, uh, almost to their detriment. And, and and it gets to a point frankly Rick where uh in a home health care is prohibitively expensive it's it it runs you know, sometimes well, three, and four. Isn't times. that
2: one of the old myths? I mean, it, logically, one would be sitting there saying, "Well, gee, if I could stay at home, it's got to be cheaper than going to a facility."
3: Yeah, and I think historically, Rick, that perhaps was the case because uh, it, it wasn't unusual to have family members that would live in the same house, and particularly well, when well, I grew or up, a
2: nice a nice lady that was, you yeah, know, a neighbor some nursing or, sure, and
3: they would basically help you out for room and board. Yeah, exactly, and that and that was the traditional way. We really, don't do that anymore, you know, and, and that's really it. Really is. <laughs> unusual, but we don't do that anymore, and, and again, that a lot of things also that play into this that people don't understand are cultural differences and how historically these cultures have treated their aging population, and I can I can assure you that the United States is unique in that respect, that generally speaking, we don't consider that an obligation of ours to take care of our elderly in the same way that perhaps an Asian culture or an Indian culture may approach that subject. So, well, there yes,
2: there's tremendous cultural issues issues in the state plan. There are. You no, know, Ted, this is a side topic. That is critically important, and, and it especially is important for folks that, you know, immigrate into the United States, and especially ones that, um, aren't, aren't, let's say, aren't Christian, because our laws are Judeo-Christian based. And it doesn't mean they're not flexible to all religions, um, but, you know, you and I over the years, as we do estate planning, many people have strong opinions on their faith and and, and that's integrated into their estate planning, whether it really it's uh, for Orthodox uh, Jewish folks or it's for Muslims. I mean, we've done it all. We've yeah. done Latter-day Saints. We've, you know, all yep. kinds
3: of different Jehovah Witnesses. All of these groups that have their own unique set of circumstances from a spiritual point of view view religious point of view that we have to be very conscious of and 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 we have to plan that way and we have to understand that not all of them are the same as we are that we you know i for one grew up in this country i i grew up you know with a christian background and and i have to understand that there are other points of view and other planning needs for those that are not of that ilk okay so yeah so and, and so estate planning you know it's really from a you know
2: from the attorney's standpoint if I was to write every single solitary estate plan identical. I would have probably put a bullet in my head years ago. I would have bored myself to death. That's nothing that would excite me. What what really is fun to me is hearing your story, hearing your beliefs, and then being able to come and help put that on paper such that, you know, the difficult conversations that we have to have sometimes, such that we can plan for those and then, you know, it's really gratifying when clients see those types of things, they go, oh. And we get awfully times, we get a lot of comments like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I, I get that all the time. Just ask. There are so many different things that can be incorporated into your estate plan, whether it's traditional or elder, doesn't really matter. But tailoring it to make it uniquely you and for your family, your legacy, because that's really what it's about. It's, you know, estate planning is more than money. It's more than taxes. Those are big components. But it's the personal aspect and the legacy and taking care of yourself during disabilities that you don't become a burden on others, either physically or financially, which is, you know, just a real challenge. So we just really implore folks to, you know, step back a little bit. Uh, If you do have a little extra time right now, that certainly is um, one option. Um, While we generally don't do, um, you know, payment plans and things like that, most lawyers don't. Um, I have been um, working some situations with folks that during this time, they'd like to get their planning done, but uh, you know, working out a, a reasonable payment plan or something along those lines, we really want you to get your estate planning done, and you can always contact contact the law firm, Greg Rick and Associates, uh, through yourpartnerinlaw.com, that's yourpartnerinlaw.com, or rjglegal.com, that's the law firm's website. You'll find all our information there and uh, all kinds of information to uh, check out, so So um, make sure you do that. Now, Ted, this housing issue. It's staggering how much it costs if you need skilled nursing in home twenty four hours a day. This is what you know shocks people because these people that come into your home either work for an agency or you have to set them up as an employee. You become an employer, and that's a challenge too. And you have to pay them payroll and overtime and payroll taxes, FICA, the whole nine yards. And you know that's why the nice lady from down the street can't come in and get room and board and. Take care of you anymore. That is not proper or legal any longer. Yeah, that, so that ship has sailed. So that, that 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 ship sailed. Uh, right. It started actually with the nanny tax, with you know babysitting and au pairs and things of that nature. So, folks, we've got to take a uh, little break here, and when we get back, uh, more of your partner in law.
0: When we talk about estate planning and elder law, there are two triggers that cause you to review your plan. John Curley here with my attorney Rick Regrick, and Rick, what are those two triggers? Thanks, John. There are two key triggers for when you should
2: review your estate plan: changes in health or wealth. COVID nineteen is a significant impact to both, so everyone should review and update their estate plan. Ask yourself: Are you and your family prepared? Do you have the right executors, agents, and trustees? Have you provided for your family? We're here to help. This pandemic has disrupted all of our lives, so each of us needs to be proactive during these difficult
0: times. Be prepared, have a plan. Talk to Rick, Gregorick, and Associates. They're open, they're essential business, and they want to help give you peace of mind. You can call them or meet virtually to discuss your estate and elder law plan. Call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284- 3450. Or book your free consultation online at yourpartnerinlaw.com. com.
4: Having a long-term care plan, it brings certainty to a very uncertain situation. It also allows us to stay in control of our care options, and maybe most importantly, it brings peace of mind to your family during an extremely stressful situation. And Story Monson, I highly recommend doing what my wife and I did, learn about all the new long-term care plans offered by Brian Ott and 525 Advisors. Brian has two live webinars coming up in June. The first one is June 13th at 3 p.m. I'll be joining that one right after my show and then a second on june 20th all of brian's live webinars are free to attend he'll teach you everything you need to know about long-term care including all the new plans that are available they protect your savings they protect your family and they plan my wife and I got, pays us back if we never use it. I can't recommend him highly enough. He's the best in the country and he's right here in Bellevue. Sign up for one of his free live webinars coming up June 10th or June 20th. Go to 525LongTermCare.com That's 525LongTermCare.com We
1: return to Your Partner in Law on Seattle's Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH with your host, Rick Gregorick.
2: All righty. Welcome back to Your Partner in Law. I'm in here uh, talking with Ted Hanson, attorney at the office. And uh, Ted does, you know, most of our elder law oversees all the elder law, actually, and also does traditional planning as well as real estate and some business law. But really a a deep dive into the elder area because, you know, one of the things I notice that's a difference between traditional estate planning and elder law is traditional estate planning, generally we're looking into the future. For Medicaid, very often, or excuse me, for elder law, very oftentimes we're dealing with a situation in process. Someone's already had the stroke. They've already got Alzheimer's. The financial problems have probably already arisen or are very foreseeable. Is that a pretty fair assumption, Ted, that we've got people running out of money who have already got a medical condition? And so as the attorney, you're not so much... You are planning for the future, but it 's to be implemented and you 're kind of in the real moment you 're planning in the moment. Is that a fair assessment well that
3: that 's absolutely true in most cases now. I do have my complement, if you will of of proactive planning, but by and large, this boils down for the most part to a health care event that you 've had and now you're being discharged from the hospital and, oh, guess what? You can't be sent back to your house for whatever reason. And now you're facing for the first time in your life the reality of having to leave your home. And what shape does that take? And and I'll start this discussion off by saying the biggest threat to your finances is your health as you grow older. And there's no question about that. And And so what does happen when you have to leave your primary residence. And oh, by the way, we're big fans of as long as it's safe, stay in your home. But the issue really becomes safety. And from a medical point of view, that's what the doctors are always looking at. They're looking at What am I discharging this person to? Am I discharging this person to another elderly, frail individual? Am I discharging this person to a family who's able to take care of them? Those are all questions that are asked at the medical level prior to them making the call and whether or not they recommend that people go home. Now, I will say this as well, Rick, that despite the doctor's insistence that they not go home. In many, many cases, they go home. And and primarily, the reason is lack of financial resources to pay for it. It's
2: lack of money that. and then yeah. compounded maybe by a little stubbornness, I might say. It, it is. And my dad
3: was one of those guys. Yes. And, I, and I would ex, I would suspect that I would be as well. You know, yep. I mean, I <laughs> throughout my life go kicking and screaming into things I don't like. And, and I don't think this is going to be any different. So I'll probably be one of those well, crotchety well, well, old men who bites uh, and screams My dad had
2: a terminal <laughs> illness and... And, uh, emphysema and it had been many years he lived for decades with it but you know we did have to have some talks Now, my mom was a big planner. Dad, not at all. Um, Dad had a things-will-work-out attitude, and when it came to his illness and talking about possibility of having to go leave his home to go to assisted living or something like that, um, you'd have thought he was a two-year-old in some regards. You know, I'm going to exaggerate and say he had a tantrum, but he was adamant that there is no blank blank way I am leaving my home any other way than feet first. (laughs) That that sounds familiar to me um, actually. My dad uh, he held to that now for his good fortune uh, not because of his planning but because of his good fortune he died in his sleep at home, so yeah, well, he did that. I but guess like, that's
3: the best that any. But of us you know, know had his
2: condi- had he lived a little bit longer, it was inevitable that he would have ended up in some sort of institutional care. Yeah. And, and and folks, I know we know it's very difficult, but the longer you wait to have the conversation, the worse
3: it's going to be. Yeah, and, and, you know, and that's 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 very true. And it's a difficult discussion to have, and particularly difficult when you have little or no financial resources to support that decision, you know. And this really is the issue many times. Well, put some numbers on it so we put this in perspective. Well, let me let me first talk about these various options and I'll kind of go through these one by one, and, and and as I go through these, just imagine that the cash register rings louder every time I go through one of these categories, okay? So the first level would be what we call independence living now independent living is really just what it sounds like however it's in i will say in most cases a quasi institutional setting but generally it's your own apartment it's it's really akin to a condo and a you know you know a multi unit building you have your own kitchen your own bathroom your privacy they have common areas where you can play cards and dine if you want to and meet with people and, and that's the lowest level of care and uh, around here, the the independent livings are probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four grand a month. Uh, some fairly north of that number, depending on where they are. And then the next level of care you would find yourself in is what we would call assisted living. And assisted living is independent living with some form of assistance for what we call activities of daily living, and that is the things we do each day. And that is, we get up, we feed ourselves, we go to the bathroom, we dress ourselves, those types of things. So generally assisted living is designed to assist with one or more of those activities of daily living.
2: And you know, in the first two categories, like in the independent living, some of those would have food services, others may not.
3: You know, yeah. Almost like an apartment. The independent know. living certainly is and and, and and when you get to assisted living it's it's more of a, you know, your option. You may have your own ability to cook in your own room, but they do have a common dining room for you, for example. Um, the next level, and this kind of encompasses all of the levels, and that would be what we call continuing care. And continuing care communities are becoming a lot more popular. So, how these work typically is there is a buy-in of some sort. You either buy a home in this community or you buy an apartment in this community, and It will provide care up through skilled nursing care, that is nursing home care, if you need it. And if you don't need it, of course, um, you know, you don't pay the extra money for having it. Now, this is really, really becoming more common because inevitably you'll have one spouse that is what we call the well spouse, and one that's the ill spouse. And in many cases, that well spouse is younger and doesn't need the type of care that the older spouse needs, but it allows them to live together, and it allows them to live together in a setting much like their home, with a little bit of more bells and whistles with respect to food service and those those types of services, right? Um, and ultimately, like I said, continuing care will carry you through all of these levels up to and including nursing home care in most cases. Um, that's probably a fairly expensive option for people. I've seen buy-ins range anywhere from $80,000 on the low end to almost a million dollars on the top I've end. got a client to pay
2: $900,000. Yeah, so for it's, the so buy-in, yeah. and,
3: and that's quite expensive. And then some portion of that in almost every case comes back to your estate, uh, when you leave there, but the, it, nevertheless, it's a it's a pretty hefty hit. Um, but well, that's Ted, one of
2: the things I saw in some of these continuing care units was um, the more you paid, the bigger percent you would get back. So, in other words, if you paid a smaller amount, you may not get anything back.
3: That's true. Uh, to your beneficiaries when you pass, that's and true. You pay a little bit more, so it was kind of a tiered system. It is, and and, and the, they run the gamut, like we just said. You know, I've seen them. I think the lowest I've seen perhaps like forty thousand. Now, I don't think about it, but but I have seen these million dollar buy-in kind of places and it's not very nice one in mercer island (laughs) there's there's several of them in downtown seattle also right so you bet so but and and so to kind of keep this conversation going uh the next level if you will from assisted living would be uh what we call adult family homes and that's really a uh popular uh a popular option nowadays typically they're licensed for no more than four people Uh, some are licensed for more than that but it's uh, like an ensuite suite kind of living with a common dining area. Uh typically you, you can be in a home with people with varying medical conditions but they tend to be focused on a particular issue like a Parkinson's type home or a dementia home uh, yeah so because there's you know the training <clears throat> and staff and requirements
2: are different for you know, someone with Parkinson's very different than someone with yeah, right and Alzheimer's
3: and so they tend to kind of focus if you will on those kind of things in in, in some cases and in others they'll take whatever they whatever they get and and adult family homes uh, in the on the east side, folks are running now on the low end of about seventy five hundred to the top end of, you know, depending on if you need uh, dementia care. Those can get into the fifteen thousand dollar a month range, depending on where they are. Uh, and then finally, when you get uh, beyond that level, you find yourself in a nursing home or what we call skilled nursing facilities, and they are just what what they sound like. They are the Typical nursing homes that most of us have seen in our youth, and perhaps not that bad anymore. But there certainly are those around still too that are, you know, with people. Well, COVID nineteen
2: has kind of highlighted nursing has, homes and,
3: and, it, and the and the the variance among nursing homes. I it think has, and it's, it's really changed their model and how they go, you know, how they deal with people. Because I can tell you for sure that they are hypersensitive about the people being discharged into these facilities nowadays, and and the trend it seems to be to have a ward of some type that isolates these people that test positive from the other population that doesn't. And that's been a real challenge, I think, for these nursing homes who really never saw this you know, viral kind well, of Well, most nursing coming. homes weren't set up with isolation capabilities. They weren't. They just simply weren't, weren't up, up. you know, they're, 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 they're there to serve a, you know, a function generally with severe medical issues, not viral related medical issues. You know, like these are serious, you know, cancer patients, heart patients, these type of people. Um, but nevertheless, nursing home is the top-end care and uh, quite expensive.
2: So, folks, you know, as we've seen, we haven't even hit the top-end numbers yet, and we've already been talking anywhere from basically 3500 to 15000 We haven't even hit the big numbers yet. So when we talk about disability and payment of your cost of housing being a major impact, you know, I just want to really underscore we're in about the middle of the ground right now. And we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, Nora, your partner-in-law.
0: When we talk about estate planning and elder law, there are two triggers that cause you to review your plan. John Curley here with my attorney, Rick Redrick. And, Rick, what are those two triggers? Thanks,
2: John. There are two key triggers for when you should review your estate plan. Changes in health or wealth. COVID-19 is a significant impact to both, so everyone should review and update their estate plan. Ask yourself, are you and your family prepared? Do you have the right executors, agents, and trustees? Have you provided for your family? We're here to help. This pandemic has disrupted all of our lives, so each of us needs to be proactive during these difficult times.
0: Be prepared. Have a plan. Talk to Rick, Gregorick, and Associates. They're open. They're essential business, and they want to help give you peace of mind. You can call them or meet virtually to discuss your estate and elder law plan. Call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. Or book your free consultation online at yourpartnerinlaw.com.
4: lawcom Long-term care plan—it brings certainty to a very uncertain situation. It also allows us to stay in control of our care options, and maybe most importantly, it brings peace of mind to your family during an extremely stressful situation. And Story Monson, I highly recommend doing what my wife and I did: learn about all the new long-term care plans offered by Brian Ott and Five Two Five Advisors. Brian has two live webinars coming up in June. The first one is June 13th at 3 p.m. I'll be joining that one right after my show and then a second on june 20th all of brian's live webinars are free to attend he'll teach you everything you need to know about long-term care including all the new plans that are available they protect your savings they protect your family and they plan my wife and i got pays us back if we never use it i can't recommend him highly enough he's the best in the country and he's right here in bellevue sign up for one of his free live webinars coming up june 10th or june 20th go to 525 longtermcare.com that's 525 longtermcare.com retirement
0: what does it mean to you has it changed as a result of today's economy are you worried about your future could there be stormy seas ahead
2: Hi, this is Rick Gregrick, founder of Gregrich & Associates. We're a dedicated team of legal and tax professionals that can help you navigate your course for a secure future. Whether you're just thinking about your retirement or you're well into your retirement years, whether you're single, married, or involved in a domestic partnership, we can help you create your necessary legal and tax planning.
0: I am so glad I found one firm that can help me with all my legal and tax needs. Call today for your free consultation. 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. You can also sign up for a Partner in Law event. Just go to yourpartnerinlaw.com and find the elder law or estate planning course that's best for you. You can register for both events by going to yourpartnerinlaw.com, yourpartnerinlaw.com. Now back to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick
1: on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM and AM 770 KTTH.
2: This is your partner in law. I'm attorney Rick Gregorick at the law firm of Gregorick and Associates. So glad to have you with us this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, amid the continued uh, shutdown, All will be slowly reopening. You know, a little dial that Jay's been telling us about. Um, I like that dial to move a little faster, Jay. <laughs> Safely, of yeah, course. I, think I don't want anybody to hurt a wrist turning that funny. dial tooth And I think that's what he's talking about with safety is the dial, if you turn it too quick, you could sprain your wrist. So we want to make sure that,
3: you know, we do that. But I think um, mine's, mine seems like it's stuck, actually. It's stuck, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you sitting there banging on it? You know, come on, yeah. it's stuck. I keep pushing it in and nothing changes. Yeah. You know? I,
2: we're all anxious, chomping at the bit to get back to our life, uh, get back to, you know, sitting on the beach. The new abnormal. You know, just, having, uh, just getting our life back, being able to interact with people. Um, human beings are gregarious by nature and we you know we are a grouping communal type people we're not meant to live solo lives in isolation this doesn't work very well for us but um, it's been a long haul and um, we've got a ways to go and we certainly have um, an uncertain economic uh, future right now Um, I'm I'm a forever optimist you know I'm you know, I'm of the yoke that this too shall pass, um, but there's going to be damage left in the wake. I'm very concerned on those more fragile areas of our economy and um, the demo, you know, social demographics. Um, we know who's being hit hardest by this, um, and we need to really have a full court press on protecting those vulnerable seniors in um that and then I think just being smart for the rest of us with each other and being respectful of each other and, you know, not mocking certain things. I mean, you know, a mask is not that big a deal. It's an inconvenience, but it's not that big a deal. Um, It won't be forever. So I'll just leave it at that. It won't be forever. So, Ted, we're talking about the cost of housing if you need care um, any type of care, whether you know it's a following a stroke or a heart attack or you have Parkinson's or MS or Alzheimer's or my goodness, the list goes on and on and on. The more specialized care you need, the higher the cost. Some people might be able to stay at home and have someone come in a couple days a week for a few hours and that might work out great. But compare and contrast that to someone who needs 24-hour skilled nursing, registered nursing level care on a 24-hour basis. That number,
3: Ted, I've seen anywhere from 25 to 40 plus thousand dollars a month. Man, that's absolutely true. And a lot of people that have resources choose to go down that route, and and that's absolutely true. So, generally speaking, the cost of care taps out at the high level at nursing home care level. However, if you insist on living in your home with 24-hour 365 care. That is not uncommon to cost 30000 or more a month, which is three times or four times as much as it would cost you to be in an adult family home um, for the same type of care. It's just you're not going to be able to remain in your own home. Now, there are certainly a complement of our clients who have the ability to pay for this and it doesn't even phase them. Um, However, they are in the minority, okay? Well, sure. You know, know, Kirkland, Bellevue,
2: Seattle, metro proper area, extremely wealthy area of the country. You know, for those of you out there who are, you know, the more well-heeled that you have, uh, you know, a couple million extra liquid laying around, and um, we even do planning for people
3: and setting things up like this and, you know, folks that have the resources. Yeah, and, and for those of you that... You know, one, are looking for a good hedge here. Long-term care insurance is one of those hedges, and we're we're big fans of long-term care. I have seen long-term care in so many cases save the financial stability of the spouse that was not sick and and preserve things for the family in almost every case as a result of pre-planning and having long-term care insurance. And, and I tell people, you know, even a smaller policy is better than no policy at all. I also tell people that are couples that if one cannot be insured, the other can. Please get long-term care insurance for the other party. Yeah, because if stop and think of that case, folks. There's a married couple. One of them does
2: not have the health to get insured. Something in their health record says they're not insurable. So that ought to say to you right away, heightened risk of disability, right? So the surviving, or the the other spouse that is eligible, the reason they want to get insurance is if that sick spouse, the one that's not as healthy, if they need long term care, it's going to deplete an awful lot of that couple's resources, if not everything. Absolutely. So by having the long-term care policy for the spouse, that may just be their only lifeline absent going
3: on Medicaid. Absolutely. And, and it's a much better quality of life having long-term care insurance generally assures you a certain level of of care that you certainly will not get in the Medicaid context. And and allows you a better quality home. And, and generally speaking, you know, the more money you have, the better quality of care you receive. I I think this should be no surprise to people, but it's absolutely true.
2: Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that many, not all, but a good number of the um, facilities, if you come in for a couple of years under private pay, in other words, even if, you know, insurance, but in other words, it's not government pay. So if you come in under private pay, your long-term care insurance for a couple of years, and you run out of money, many of those facilities will allow
3: you to stay and accept Medicaid. Is that correct? Well, that, that's true, and it's becoming more common than not. That the, And particularly on the east side, there they're just are... Little or few immediate Medicaid beds available, that's just a reality of it, and most uh of these homes like Rick said will require a year or two of private pay and 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 so just to kind of put that in context, you know for one person I mean you're talking a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars for that private pay period. let's face it, a lot of folks just don't have those kind of resources and and the other interesting th- question that I get all the time, Rick or from people is well, do you think I have enough money to self-insure, so to speak, right? And I, I almost always tell people, I don't, I don't care if you have slim means or, or great means. You know, again, long-term care is your best friend here,
2: right? Well, well Ted, you know, one of the ironies of insurance Insurance is there to help offset unexpected larger costs, whether it 's homeowners, car insurance all that so we're all familiar with the insurance
3: and it 's the same with our health care it is um, it 's catastrophic coverage is what is exactly what it is you know it, it's,
2: it is and it 's just um, it 's a reality
3: we know that a large number mm-hmm. of us are going to suffer from disability right, and as yeah. we talk about all the time, Rick is people are living longer right, which really makes this a big issue because people you know, let's just say even 10 years ago that had a certain level of income could comfortably say, I have enough. Uh, but nowadays, you don't know if you're going to be one of those, you know, new 80s. That is, 100 is the new 80 for those well, of you that don't know. Think.
2: If you were afflicted with Alzheimer's and, and it was a bad case and you had to go into a memory unit um, and you're there for over a decade, uh, oh, it's, folks, it's there's a, not It's a million many, dollars. There's not know? many... Out there, who are going to sustain that for ten years? In fact, while well, most aren't going to sustain it for more than ninety
3: days, no if that. About
2: it. So it, this is a serious
3: problem. Well, but unless... I do get that question about self-insuring, right? And I get it from young people, and I say to them, "Look, you know, I, I, I you know, I, for, I prefer to tell you you don't have enough money, frankly, you know. But and I have no way to predict where this is going to go in the future. You know, this is this is a this is a function, a, a result of the aging population, and for the first time in this country's history, we have this. Group of people aging in—that's creating this market out there for this type of care, and and all of its attendant costs are are not cheap, and and it's not going to go down. Okay, so right. I, I would venture to say, ten years from now, we'll be talking easily double these numbers for, for I, this I would type think of care. So. You know? I mean.
2: Living longer isn't always pretty. Yeah.
3: Um, you know, we've
2: got the you know the issues of quality of life, and, you know, we constantly are making uh, medical advances and breakthroughs allowing us to live longer. And um, I think we also need to make sure that we're working on that quality of life issue. Well, most, that's of us it, don't want, right? most of us don't want to spend the last two years of our life laying in a bed in a nursing home, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, so, so part that's of that's
3: it. your lifestyle up front and everything, but, you know, some of it's just random. It's mother yeah, it, nature. It is, and it just happens. But this is uh, this housing issue uh, is really, really, really a big deal. And, and, and having a discussion about how to plan for that is, for most people, it's just not easy. And it really starts to get complicated in our world where you have what we call blended families, and you've got you know, one spouse is sick with children, and the other well spouse has children, and the well spouse's children don't want the well spouse's money being spent for the ill spouse's care. And, and. and Did you guys map all that out? Okay.
2: <laughs> so, you know, it, it is, folks. Um, it's challenging. Um, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend 2020, one for the record books, I'm sure. So we want to... Um, You know, let's be safe and sane out there. Um, Folks, uh, the law firm is open. We're here to help. We'll we'll answer any of your questions. You can just call us on our phone number, 425-284-3450. That'll get you through to the office, 425-284-3450. Of course, you can always find us on the web, yourpartnerinlaw.com. That's an easy one, rjglegal.com. That's the uh, law firm. If you can't remember all that, just mynorthwest.com. Look for the show, your partner in law. And they'll get you there. All the shows are podcasts there, and uh, you can uh, get those at com. And I hope you all are um, doing well. And um, my condolence to everyone who suffered through this and all the death here in the state of Washington, across the country and around the world, uh, truly tragic. And uh, hopefully the worst is behind us. And uh, better days are ahead. So hopefully that uh, we'll all pull through this and uh, look back on this. And we'll be telling our grandchildren stories
1: of COVID-19. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Your Partner in Law with Rick Gregorick. Event Info newsletters and Your Partner in Law podcast can all be found at yourpartnerinlaw.com. To schedule an appointment with Rick Gregorick, call 425-284-3450. That's 425-284-3450. For more information on the show or to sign up for a free Partner in Law event, visit yourpartnerinlaw.com.